Hello, Damon. Hello, Jeremy. How are you? I am well. How are you? I'm doing good. I want to talk to you today. I'm excited. And I don't even know who you are. And I don't know who I am. And that's what I want to get into. I want to talk about unit of self. Hmm. Who are we? And are we individuals separate from everyone and everything else, or are we all connected? Well, I, I'm my pause is because I was hoping that you would give me your answer. First. Okay, my answer. <laughs> I'm ready because I've been thinking about it. Uh-huh. We're all connected. <laughs> <laughs> and here's how I figured it out. Like, I'm not in a bubble. I'm breathing air that I share with you and everyone else. I'm drinking water that I share with you and everyone else. I'm eating food that someone planted and harvested and brought to market and packaged. And someone else even bought and brought home (laughs) in my household. And someone else thought of the original seeds and cultivated them generations, eons ago, in some cases, in some cases quite recently. I didn't come out of nowhere. I have parents. And I know what I know because someone's told it to me. Or I've read it in a book written by someone else. Or I've experienced it in an environment that is marked by countless other people living and dead. And that's... Uh, kind of first stab at how we're obviously all connected. But then, you know, I think we also operate with this vast web of interconnectivity too. And the metaphor I've been thinking of is like fingers on a hand and how funny it would be to us if a finger said, I'm totally independent. I'm my own thing. You know, I, I don't have to do anything with these other guys. It's like, yeah, you know, you can bend a figure separately and, they're, you know, not necessarily totally attached to one another, but we would just laugh at that. Clearly, fingers are part of a hand, which are part of a pair of hands, which are part of arms, which are part of a body. And I think, you know, humanity is like that. We're this seven billion fingered hand is what I've been thinking about lately. I've been thinking about kind of the kudzu of us mm-hmm. covering the world and I've got more to say, but boy, that's enough (laughs) for a first answer. I've covered the world with human kudzu. So how does that all strike and where do we go with it either way? Well, since we're all connected, you probably already know what I think, right? I I don't. I need to know. I'm I'm, we're all connected, but I have this limited consciousness. Hmm. But yes, you're... I am the the speaker and the listener and the listeners at home listening to us. And there's this amazing feedback loop, whether we're aware of it or not. So 
That's that's my guess, but you tell me. Maybe you're like, ah, no. <laughs> Since you're me, I know that you think it's all poppycock. I don't think it's poppycock. I have not been thinking about it as potentially as intensely as you have been thinking about it recently, but here's what I have been thinking about. I have been thinking about how humans are social animals, and I know that when, you know, thousands of years ago, if a human was cast out of a pack, that was essentially a death sentence. And I also know that recently there have been scientific studies that show that forced isolation activates the same neural circuitry as craving when we're famished, when we're hungry. And that being excluded, also a scientific experiment where they had three people in MRIs and they were all playing a game of virtual catch and their brains were all lighting up the same way. And then unbeknownst to the participants, one of the participants was excluded from the catch game. And their brain lit up in the same ways as it does when we feel physical pain. So that may not necessarily tip my hand in terms of us all being connected, but it sure does make me feel that our primitive way of living and the way our circuitry is created has a lot to do with us being connected together. So why do we think we're separate if you say it's primordial that we feel the pain of separation? How can we have that illusion that's so consistent and also have the ability to be surprised or hurt by when it's kind of made manifest? It's a great question. And I think you start with ego, which constructs this sort of individual, you know, me and mine type of framework. And I also think it's partly cultural where, you know, we live in a culture that, you know, I don't know how it worked in your family, but I just remember common vernacular when I was growing up. It was like, you can be anything you want. When, when you grow up. And I do think in a sense, culturally, it was sort of baked into our collective psyche that we're raised on that belief of individuality. And I think that that begins to generate a more entrenched egocentric way of seeing things and being. We're in competition. We're in peril. Right. How do you build this larger group identity. You know, you consult for teams of different kinds. And I guess some units I was thinking of were the couple, the family, the company, the community, the sports team, the whole human race. <laughs> so <laughs> what are ways to... I guess, make us feel in our bodies, in our minds, those connections. And I'll talk about the dangers of that, the sort of us versus them-ism that's possible too. But first, you know, how can we make that sort of stitching or unity as a, as a larger unit? How can we do that work? 
Well, they're doing a lot of work right now on group coherence. So for example, if in a group we are all practicing the same type of breathing pattern where the rhythm of our breath affects our heart and that manifests throughout the group if we're all breathing the same way. So there's a lot of research right now around this idea of creating group coherence. And in, you know, in a nutshell, this is syncing our nervous systems together. And on one hand, that's, that's just kind of nifty and cool science. And on the other hand, it also uh, feeds into uh, some work by Keith Sawyer, who really unpacked group flow. Organizations that, that are focused more on being completely in sync with one another. And, you know, the, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking of the Navy SEALs. They work under this principle of group flow. And it turns out there's some triggers that really can kick a group into flow together. You know, shared purpose and goals, sort of the dispersion, equal dispersion of risk, playing together in a sort of a yes and model where we're building off of one another, active listening. Another thing that really feels relevant to a group being able to get into flow is there's no hierarchy. So leadership is democratic and it's whoever knows the next best thing to do takes the lead. And because of that, everyone is really deeply in sync with one another. So it's turned out to be a really efficient way to run, in this case, you know, elite level military organizations. But it also turns out that that's true across the board with executive teams, with sports teams. And I don't know about you, but I can, I can feel it if you're watching a sporting event, for example. And let's just say a team is behind in the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, you can just, you know, they, let's just use basketball as an example. And they, you know, they steal the ball, they make a, a shot, you know, they come down, make a three, and this momentum starts to build and you can just feel it. And it's, it's something that you can't necessarily put your finger on or articulate, but, but it's a feeling. And I think that that kind of ties back into your initial question. Are we all connected? I think it's really difficult to say so through language, but I certainly know when I, when I allow myself to kind of get beyond my ego that I do realize that, you know, I'm, I'm a pinky amongst, you know, billions of hands. And when we surrender to that, I think we open up to the world around us in a way where we acknowledge and we recognize new patterns and intuit each other, get into this nervous system type of coherence. And then whenever I've been in those types of situations, it feels very magical. I remember interviewing the head of a student-run community farm, and he talked about how great it was because he just said, you know, any kind of humble, shared labor where you have a tangible result you can see is going to be this great bonding and transformatively bonding experience. 
for the individuals and, and they're going to see that they're part of a group, both as providers as a team and then providers for, for others. And, you know, that, that stuck with me because I was, you know, 10 plus years ago that I did that interview. I wonder at the danger too, though, as I said, once you get into us, you, as opposed to me and you, you turn it to us, which is awesome in this framework, but very quickly then there's them <laughs> and there's the competing team or there's the other families threatening our family or the communities threatening our community or the, the race or religion that's different from our own. And I think there's an individualism in that inside the us because it's like, we have to watch out for them. And that's another way of saying, you know, we, we might have to push you out if you make us vulnerable or uncomfortable or you join with them or you seem themish. <laughs> mm. So these kind of group building and bonding activities can be exclusionary and threatening too. Can you see a way out of that danger or is the us, is any limitation short of everything? <laughs> we are everything. We are everyone going to have that embedded in it. I mean, I think it, I think it is going to have it embedded in it and, you know, there's no real easy answer for this and there's no plug and play, but I do think that there are ways to showcase and highlight humanity for the other that reminds us, you know, that them, they aren't really so different from us on certain baseline levels. One practice that I think is really powerful is, is through the Buddhist tradition and the practices of Tonglen. And Tonglen is really taking in your suffering instead of trying to push it away. You, you take it in to your, you know, your core, your, your heart center, you know, wherever you want to sort of visualize it coming into. And then you sort of like breathe it back out into the world. And then there's another level of that. So then you take in the pain and suffering of those you love, those who are just neutral for you, and then also even those who you despise. And I think the elegance of that practice is, in a way, helping to mitigate the us and them and to make it seem like, you know, they are in some dualistic way, they are bad and we are good our way is right, their way is wrong. And it, and it splinters that open and it reminds us on a very you know, deep human level that we as humans all suffer, no matter whether we agree with one another, whether I hate your guts or not, that there's real suffering that, that has, has and will and continue to occur within the, the, the other. And I think within that, you're building this web of empathy. And then it's possible, at least, to have a paradigm shift and understand that we are all connected. Something I've been thinking about, this is sort of funny, but you know, I've been getting into birding. And the black-capped chickadee and the mountain chickadee are two different species. And all human beings are one species. <laughs> and so I was like, wow, I am more similar 
to every single other human being now and ever than the black-capped chickadee and a mountain chickadee are. (laughs) And this illusion of separation is so pernicious and so punishing because it's like when I have this feeling, I feel alone and at fault and that it's me and it's shameful rather than this is a feeling that a human being is having or a human experience. And almost every experience, or I shouldn't say almost every human experience is shared in that sense across our species, but usually by a whole bunch of people, often most people. I mean, what is a novel, but this sort of way to encode an individual's experience. And yet somehow the more specific it is, the more particular, the more universal it is, the more I can identify with, you know, Anna Karenina or Ishmael or whoever the protagonist of the moment is, even though they're so particular to themselves and their time and place, it's because we're humans. And even for myself, it can be this funny comfort to say when I'm having a feeling, I'm having this feeling, but a human being is having this feeling. Person is having this feeling. I just happen to be that person, but it's not personal. Do you follow me? Mm. I do. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel like that, I mean, inherently young human beings are, they gravitate to their own clan, but, but at the same time are, they're, they're not, they're colorblind to some degree as well, right? I mean, young, young babies that are playing with one another, they're not choosing to selectively only play with, you know, if I'm a, a white baby, just the white babies in the daycare, right? They're playing with all the other human babies. And I guess if I put my cynical hat on, who is it benefit for us to feel separated? Do you think that this is something that has been conditioned for humans? And if so, what would be the rationale for that? Yeah, I mean, it seems ego-driven. It seems power-driven. It seems, you know, like this this sense of control is is motivating. And perversely, you know, those at top, you know, invent this sort of threat and our ego invents this threat. It's like, we have to get them so they don't get us. And that kind of expands and perpetuates. I feel maybe it's molecular too, and sort of invading germs or, or anything else. You know, I can't speak intelligently or knowledgeably, I should say to that, but those are kind of my first two thoughts. Yeah, I, I, that's the way I would frame it. And, and, and I also would ag- agree in the sense that I can't speak intelligently about this on, on a deep level. But it does feel to me that the potential for you as a person to have those feelings and those thoughts and then for you to be able to instinctively or maybe this has been a practice that you've created expand that out and say a human is having that thought 
you know, what would the world look like if more of us, if our programming was leading us to that reaction and not this isolated reaction? There's nothing more painful than feeling alone in your feeling or experience. And it's incredibly common. And there's a quote that my sister told me that I thought was attributed to Maya Angelou. And then I circled back with her and she had no memory of the quote, (laughs) (laughs) my sister, and neither did Google. So uh, somebody find this, but maybe it was just some brilliance articulating itself through my sister to me or my memory of some brilliance articulating it to my sister through me, which is all fine because we're all connected. And it was what the best person can do, I can do. And what the worst a person can do, I can do. Because I'm a person. You know, I have whatever kind of went through Einstein's brain could go through my brain. And the also the physical work of sitting there and sketching things out and then typing them up. Like, I could do that. It could have, you know, I could do that. And so with with any idea and any action and any execution, you know, I can walk on a high wire between the two towers of the World Trade Center, you know, in the 1970s. I can land on the moon. I can stab someone for a candy bar. I could sexually assault someone. I can spread hate. I can starve myself and die. What any person can do, I could do. And to me, that's just extremely powerful to hold those two things in my two hands as the sort of scope of existence and not separate myself from from either extreme. Hmm. That's beautiful. And when you frame it that way, it does feel more connecting and it feels humbling and empowering at the same time. I mean, you're you're creating a tether between the whole human race and you're within that that network. And so am I. And I, I, I think you're onto something. You know, I'm, it's, fun, it's funny, like the first thing I thought though was like, then let's just say that's true. And I'm, you know, I feel the highs and the lows and the, the light and the darkness of all humans. And then, and then my next thought was, well, then there's still, there's still the other, which is all the other life forms on the planet. Well, I'm so glad you got to that too. Yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, I didn't just say, am I separate from everyone or are we all connected? I said, am I separate from everyone and everything Hmm. or are we all connected? You know, there's all the other forms of life that is conscious, other animals. There's all the other forms of life, conscious or not. And there's all the forms, period. There's just all there is. And what is it to be alive? 
I'm certainly made up of these inert pieces and parts, like bones, but even neurons. There's some connection that somehow makes them conscious and animated, but at a part level, they're not particularly different from a, a rock or a drop of water or a beam of light. And they're still just made up of these you know, atoms, whatever atoms are made out of. And so I think even these gradations of all life or all consciousness or all existence fall away upon even a pretty shallow examination. Yeah, let alone the bonobo, which is, what is it? You know, point something percent difference in our DNA from, you know, another another species and yeah not yeah imagine something as different as a black cap chickadee and a mountain chickadee <laughs> right yeah yeah i know i know there's an interesting demonstration of of something that that i typically will use with within a kind of a group setting to express connection and it's you know it's 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 slightly romantic and it may not be the it, it may not land quite the way that that it lands with me, but it starts from the Google complex and it starts with a camera on a close up of a girl's eye and then it just pans out and then as it's panning out it's the the frame is identifying what it sees, so it'll be like pan out Google complex, pan out Mountain View, California, pan out. San Francisco, pan out, California, and then on and on and on. And it pans out into space as far as we can label and identify. This is the modern version. I've seen this video. It's the modern version of that Powers of 10 video from the 70s that I think I talked about in our first episode together. Exactly, exactly. And then it pans all the way back in to inside her eye and then inside of her body and into sort of the deep space within. And it, at least for me, it kind of cracks open the, the facade of this separation that you're speaking about. But the greater question is, even with this realization, what, what, do you, what, would, what would the world look like if people all thought more on a deeper level about this and, and came to a similar conclusion that you're coming to, that we are all connected, everything, everyone. Well, you know, one leap is pretty simple. You know, when I'm having an experience to sort of say it's happening to a person, I happen to be that person, but it's not personal. A human is having this feeling. A human is having this experience is that is quite lateral in that I can say, when someone else says something or when someone else is feeling something or when someone else does something, a, a human is having that feeling. A human is saying that a human is having that experience. And so at the descriptor level, they're the same. And that's powerful to me because I know that I have all these individual inputs and reasons and factors and sympathies and circumstances so can I understand that about the politician that's driving me crazy or the person who's incarcerated for a terrible crime 
or the person who is wildly successful and I'm wildly envious by some standards or the person who's the opposite and I feel above or superior to. What does that mean to, you know, not have separation? To me, it's seeing us as sort of uh, sharing these experiences and processing it through, you know, I, I sometimes think about like uh, the modern computer that has all these different processors and we're kind of parallel processing thing. <laughs> mm. And I think of us that way as these individual units, but that are clearly linked up and are kind of processing and participating in the world in tandem, whether it's intentional or not, it's just sort of following physical laws and laws of interaction and laws of conditioning, as you said. But, you know, I sort of see it at that scale of a, of a planet at that point. And it's, you know, it's kind of like watching a, a tree or a forest rather than losing yourself in a particular leaf or a, or a particular tree. Hmm. And to say, oh, this just doesn't make sense <laughs> in isolation. It's like, you know, looking at your toe through a binocular. It's just the mm -hmm. wrong the wrong vantage. And it just makes so much more sense and is so much more beautiful and in sync when you see that scale and level of connection. So how do we inform people that that are in a hectic, you know, hijacked nervous system state, clearly aspiring to either just stay alive or get mine or, or, you know, there are those who are sort of deeply you know, kind of enlightened about this, this topic. Does it really boil down to just doing the work? Do, do, do humans just have to, you know, make, try to make a little space? I think for me that, that ends up being the, my kind of deepest level contribution where I, I do my best, not necessarily for people to experience peak performance, but more to experience their, the own, their own truth and nature about themselves and the world around them. And so my entry point is typically a person's nervous system trying to help people to become more alert, more calm. You know, I, I run a program where on a daily basis, the groups that are within this program are adding small little snippets of their day called the wall of winds and just like the model of facebook you're you're able to high five or respond to somebody's wall of winds and the way that we have created it is you know the prompt is really become present and see these sort of micro experiences that that go on that are not sensational. They're just normal moments throughout the course of your day that typically we just sort of blaze on through and take note of them and make note of them. And then the group on the whole 
is encouraged to celebrate those things. And what I what I've seen throughout through this program is that it's it's helped people to slow down and see that you know life is lived in these small little snippets of time and and that it's not just the you know the the typical win where I I you know I I signed the deal or whatever that type of thing a lot of it is around you know the the struggle and the humanity the imperfection and how one approaches that and cultivates awareness hopefully in real time that you know I was about ready to do that thing and then I kind of remembered oh that's right yeah. I don't need to do that thing I'm thinking, you know, today I could, you know, I had the browser open to kind of go back into the news for the third time today mm-hmm. versus taking a breath, taking that beat, texting my dad, want to take a walk. And we took the walk, which is the bigger win, but the harder win was the moment where I could have pivoted one way and gone into a kind of click hole hell. Or the other where I reached out and I made a connection that led to an experience that was, you know, meaningful and full of love. Feels like you hit the word too and meaning. And I think it's surprising how few people kind of have that sense of their ability to define meaning. And I think this conversation is the type of conversation that forces us to think a little bit more at scale. And when we do, it can have an influence on the hierarchy of what meaning means and how to frame our our own existence and our connection with every everyone and everything. And it feels like that is so important right now because I, I know on a personal level, it can feel so overwhelming to turn on the news, to scroll through Twitter and just sort of see all of these like really potent and powerful surges and dynamics and, and seemingly kind of disconnected power struggles that don't feel like I have any connection to. Uh, occur in front of my eyes and on a day-to-day basis and but to your point feeling that I am also those elements that I am also it's possible for me to to be one of those players or uh, connected to some of those elements that that feel so far removed actually creates a swirl inside of me and and I find it very difficult to digest and to put in some kind of context and but I do think that at the end of the day part of the solution is in your kind of elegant pivot towards a walk with your dad that that meaningful connection our connection right now is also part of the greater whole and that this these small moments these mini wins these connections these realizations 
may not just be a drop in the bucket. They may have a ripple effect. And whatever you're doing, you're not just doing it for you. You're doing it for us. Like, mm. yeah, I took a walk with my dad for us. <laughs> Maybe you're grinding and you're doing the news and like, thanks, you're on that shift for us. And you and I, you know, right now we're talking this podcast, we're doing that for us. And all the good folks out there listening, nodding, scowling, sharing, whatever, they're doing that for us. And all the people not listening, doing their own thing, they're doing that for us. And it goes on and on. I love your wall of wins. And I don't even know if we have to, you know, when we get to us, we don't have to label wins and losses anymore. In social work, there's this great concept I was introduced to of being with, which is just the ability to be with someone and whatever the experience they're having. You're not trying to spur action or give advice or even necessarily hear their tale of woe. You're just able to be with them in however they are. And that's incredibly rare and difficult too for a lot of people. Being with is an elite skill. And we do so much because we can't be with people. So we say things and do things. And ultimately we do so much that's so hurtful because we have so much trouble being with ourselves. And so... You know, I think it it all connects in that way. You know, we're we're in it together, even though we're doing these different things. That's because that's what uh, you know. We're just taking these different shifts for us, and I hope that takes some of the labels and some of the pressure off. That that being with and just being beautiful. Yeah, it's funny. I read a study today and. Maybe this is a good way to kind of wrap that the members, the participants in this study, I believe it was 65% of them would have, would preferred to give themselves an electrical shock than just be there with their own thoughts. For like 15 minutes. <laughs> I've seen, yeah. I've seen similar things. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll cite that article, that research in the show notes, but then Maybe that the you know to share my wall of wind for the day that I put up there was about sitting with a client and I had this urge to offer advice. Mm. And in my wall of winds, I I think I framed it like I was with a client and I had this urge, my ego had this urge to offer advice, and I caught myself. And I took a breath and I just maintained space. And that was how, upon reflection, that that was worthy for me to put up on that wall of winds. Yeah, being with. And I just, you know, to sort of bend the wall metaphor a bit. Yeah, just thinking of ourselves as part of that structure together. And it's not of something, it's just, it just is, you know, we're all inter R, as they say <laughs> in the enlightened trades. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you everyone listening for being with us. And thank you for taking the shifts for us, humanity that you're taking. 
and we'll keep taking ours and it's an honor to be in it together with you and you all. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, all of us. Stimulus and Response is hosted by Damon Valentino and Jeremy N. Smith and produced by Matt Mullins at Black Rooster Productions. Please rate, review, and share the show. And please join us next time for another stimulating exploration of the best parts and best ways of being human and being alive. Thank you.